Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegich. Let's talk about Drupal Flyover Camp 2019 that happened from Friday the 31st of May to Sunday the 2nd of June in Kansas City. Joining me to give her thoughts is Socket Wench. That's Wench, not Wrench. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Now, did I say it the right way? Because I know you always have a specific way of saying it when you give your intro to Socket Wench. Well, that's pretty close. That works. Close? Okay, good. Good. So you were at uh, Flyover Camp. What's in the name? I, I just love how Flyover Camp were poking, themselves, poking fun at themselves in Kansas. I mean, we're pretty much in Flyover Land here in Minneapolis, too, so I totally get it. <laughs> so let's, let's first frame what that is, because if we're having international listeners, they might not get what the reference Good is. idea. So... So the the thing that goes with it is if you're from the Midwest, you're considered fl- in flyover country. And the reason why is because the joke goes that there's nothing in the United States that's wor- that's of interest unless if you're on either coast, which is actually completely untrue. However, that is what a lot of people tend to think of it. So as a result, um, if you're in the Midwest, you t- kind of go, you, well, you know what? We're going to own that term. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to go and name things after it. Take that world. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love that they did that. Drupal flyover camp in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, so this is a brand new camp, right? This is the first time they've mm-hmm. ever done this, Kent. How great is that? We have a new camp on the schedule. Yeah, that was that. I was surprised that it was new because... They, they hit everything running. It felt like this was a well-oiled machine for a camp. That's wonderful. It's wonderful to have that um, on the calendar again. So well-oiled machine. Do, did you recognize any of the organizers? Uh, maybe these guys or these people have done it before. Uh, I think that I recognized a few people from, oh, what is their name? VML and... And YL, what is? What are they called I, now? V, because they um, they merged with somebody. Um, I don't know who VM uh, VML Y and R. V wow, that is a mouthful. V M N Y N M M R Y R. What? Victor Mike Lima Yankee and Romeo. Victor Got Mike Le- Lima Yankee and Romeo. Okay, <laughs> they're a global. What are they? A global marketing agency that needs a new name. <laughs> Vim- that is their new name. <laughs> Vim- Vimili- okay, I don't know, even know how to say it. Vimilier. They Familiar? used to be another, another, another company. Two different companies that got merged, and this is the resulting name. Oh, it's on their about page. If you're looking for something about VML, you can still visit the VML website. If you're looking for something about YNR, don't switch. You can still visit the YNR. So it's basically, like you said, a concatenation of their former names. Maybe it's mm. maybe it's just temporary. Okay, a mm. little bit of a tangent. So, <laughs> so some sort of experience in flyover camp organization. Sounds like you said they were a well-oiled machine. It was a three-day camp. 
I believe so. There was a day of trainings, which I did not attend, um, and then two days of sessions, which actually has been bucking a trend lately. Yeah. And also, um, from what I can tell, there were contributions as well on Sunday. So maybe it was a four-day camp if there were trainings as well. Might have been. Yeah. Um, so you were there Friday, Saturday. It looked like that they had numerous tracks. So I thought mm-hmm. uh, usually usually these camps have, you know, five tracks and then you have five rooms and people go to the room for, that, for the track that they're interested in. This felt like it had a dozen tracks, but three rooms and it sort of was interspersed track sessions and boffs as well amongst these three rooms did it is that what it was like i mean i'm only gauging from the website so you know the thing with the tracks is that a lot of the time it depends on how 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 promoted they are as their own top level entity in the data as it were and some camps do a very good job of this that they have you know this track this track and this track i think like DrupalCon recently reorganized so that there's only uh, particular tracks that they directly advertise to different audiences, like a business audience, a front-end audience, uh, something like that. Um, Some camps have a lot of tracks, and they're not particularly consistently organized. Or if they are, it doesn't feel like that when you're attending, because you don't tend to notice it. and flyover camps seem to fall into the slatter category. That's not bad, but it's it's just a thing. Yeah, and I love that the tracks were so diverse as well, right? There was security, QA, mm-hmm. uh, site building, the usual front-end, back-end stuff. And there was a self-care track as well. I mean, mm-hmm. more of that, please. More mental health stuff, more business stuff, more human-focused sessions. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think that's awesome. And it looked like there were about 30 sessions, so similar to Drupal Delphia. And those those mm-hmm. 30 sessions were spread across two days as opposed to one day at Drupal Delphia. Yeah, and it seemed to attract a lot of people from, from the area. I mean, I was there from Minnesota, and I saw people that usually I see at Drupal Corn there as well. So it attracted a lot of people from uh, from the Midwest. That's wonderful. And there were boffs as well, and it kind of looked like they, they were spread out across the two days as well. I think there were, but uh, I was so focused on other stuff that I completely missed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a, a heck of a camp for you. I mean, it wasn't one session, it was two sessions. Oh, man, it was a double feature. Was, that, that was hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you, sh- you absolutely shunned that, and I'm sure you did really well. So let's talk about those two sessions. So you had um, your first session on Friday was the famous cloaked talk, Kubernetes called <laughs> Return of the Clustering, right? The third part of the trilogy. So that was Friday. And then mm-hmm. uh, Saturday, you gave a talk essentially about the health check module, right? What can mm-hmm. you do to keep tabs on the health of your Drupal site? Well, it was also about site auditing as well, in general. That's right, and site auditing. So I guess the critical question here is, did you wear a costume for both talks? So here's the problem with that. I don't have a car. 
And in order to actually get the costume for that one, I would have probably had to rent a car to go to a local thrift store chain called Axeman Surplus and see if I could find like a stethoscope or whatever that little, you know, satellite dish headgear thing that they wear. I forget what it's called and see if I can shove and and shove one of those into my luggage. But I, I didn't have the time to do that. Every weekend that I've had lately has just been completely booked up. Well, maybe we'll have to work on that if you get asked to do that talk again, and we'll figure out another costume for you. Well, rumor has it that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively, how were the two sessions attended? Um, was there a drop of of people on Saturday compared to Friday, or was it comparable? It was actually the other way around. Um, I think a lot of people find the Kubernetes talk, it's fun, but... It can be very um, intimidating because it's a. It seems like oh, that's a very DevOpsy, very technical talk, and it's going to be way over my head. And I was able to attract some people to to come to it, especially uh, by making a fool out of myself by dressing up, dressing up <laughs> like a Jedi, and standing outside of my door uh, door waving a lightsaber to actually have people come and join the session. It was a smaller room, and it was still well well attended, but the site audit talk actually had a lot more people in it, mostly because it was also in the uh, main auditorium, so a lot of people who were just there were also just there, but there was a lot of people paying attention to it as well, because it tends to be a really fun, uh, engaging talk, and it tends to appeal to a much broader audience than the Kubernetes talk, which tends to be, you know, more infrastructure-y, DevOps-y people, um, even though I try to make that as broadly appealing as I can. So location, 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 right? Mm-hmm. You had a wonderful location in the auditorium for that talk. Yeah, the only downside is that when you're in an auditorium, you're usually on uh, a pedestal or a dais or something like that, and... The problem is that it's it sounds like, you know, I'm a T-Rex walking around on stage because <laughs> the thing is hollow, so the microphone just picks up everything. And I don't I don't tend to stay still when I give a talk. I tend to gesticulate and walk around and do lots of weird things. And jump around, <laughs> I believe you do as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- I think the the side out of talk, I also like fall to my knees at one point dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember skinning my knee at Drupalcorn doing that. <laughs> well, it's a good torque. I th- I think it I think it's valuable that you do that. It certainly reminds people um, how important it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think the biggest question was that people had from that health check talk, from that audit talk? Uh, you know, I didn't get many many questions. I was actually thinking about this a few days ago. I tend not to get that many questions directly uh, after a talk because usually my talks last the entire amount of time. And afterwards, I have to like rush out the door for the next person to actually uh, start setting up their talk. And usually I don't get many questions. Um, And I do try to anticipate a lot of the potential questions as well within the contents of the talk. So sometimes people will come uh, come by and ask me questions later, but often that hasn't happened lately. It's a similar sort of thing for both talks then. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I did have a, a nice conversation with uh, someone. I think they're from the U of Kansas. I forget. I know, I remember their face. I know that they go to Drupal Corn regularly too. But um, uh, they were telling me about Kubernetes operators and and all of that kind of nifty technical stuff. And that was an, a really interesting conversation to have. Um, but it really wasn't a question. <laughs> Well, that actually leads me into my next question. You know, usually you're the one educating people about whatever you're talking about. What did you learn in your talk from the audience? So one thing that I, that definitely occurred to me is that when it comes to the Kubernetes talk is just how much technical knowledge you need to and all, all technical terms you need to pick up very, very quickly to get anywhere with understanding Kubernetes without feeling like you're drowning in technical terms all of a sudden. And mm. I certainly had that experience myself just trying to learn Kubernetes in the first place. And that is after having a very strong background in how containers work and do how Docker works. And some of the terminologies I picked up from running uh, production workloads in Docker Swarm. And I thought that I, I realized that after, after that talk, like, wow, in 45 minutes, I take you from, you know, kind of, sort of what Docker is, and you kind of, sort of know, you might have heard of Ansible, but you don't know too much about it, to here's how you run a... Drupal site in production on Kubernetes using a simple, effective formula. And that kind of struck me as, wow, uh, no, not many people are doing that because, wow, that can be really complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the bleeding edge of it, isn't it? It's not just the bleeding edge, it's just that the, the underlying design that I kind of went for strives for minimalism and simplicity. And a lot of people find that appealing because it, it reduces the number of working parts that you actually have to know. A good example would be memcache. The way that it's presented in the talk is as a stateful set. And that works. Um, a lot of people will say what you should do is run it as another object called a daemon set. But in order to introduce a daemon set, I'd have to introduce a completely new object type that only works for that. And afterwards, it's like, is that really necessary to talk about it? Do you really need... How often do you add and remove nodes? If you are already thinking about adding and removing nodes, you're probably going to look up this stuff for you. So I don't need to actually tell you about this in this talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that um, you're able to educate people in one session, even at a very high level, to go from kind of knowing to... Uh, being interested in the technology and in what we're doing and um, in being interested in continuing to find out more. And maybe that's um, a good, maybe that's a good reason to actually do a separate podcast just on the talk you gave and kind of the contents of the talk. And like, why are we doing that? Why, why is Ten Seven investing as much as we are in Kubernetes and in Docker and in Drupal and in, you know, sending you to all of these camps um, and in putting all of this work into the open source domain? I, like maybe there's enough t uh, there to talk about. I mean, just from my perspective, uh, we want to be, 
uh, independent and using a hosting solution that is supported uh, in the open source that is vendor um, agnostic. And if we're doing it for ourselves, there's no reason why we couldn't put it out there and have others learn and leverage from it as well. So mm-hmm. um, we should probably talk about this a little more in a separate podcast. That's not a bad idea at all. I love it. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. I'll, we'll ask Jonathan to, to um, make that happen for us. Okay, so a little more about Kubernetes. I was looking through the uh, schedule of talks, and as you, Tess, know, Raspberry Pis are really near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've used them for many different things um, at home, most recently an ad blocker for the whole network. But I saw that Jeff Geerling was at Flyover Camp, and he had a talk about the cluster of RPIs that, or the Raspberry Pis that he's built, that he's been building since... Um, 2012, 2013, something like that, mm-hmm. um, and how it taught him everything he knows about Kubernetes. Did you catch that talk by any small chance? I actually did go to that talk because I you're was, kidding. Because I was like, I was like, oh, that that sounds really fun, and I'd like to see what he does. Is he going to use? Uh, straight K8s, or is he going to use that K3s distribution that I heard about? Yeah, the tiny one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What was funny to me is that I remember watching a talk that he gave, not about Kubernetes, but about Ansible, way, way, way back in the day at MidCamp, with a very similar block of uh, Raspberry Pis and a, a Raspberry Pi cluster in a box. And that was, I really wanted to see what he was going to do with this. So, sure, I went to it. And uh, was it everything you wished it could be? I mean, I looked at the slides, and there was a shout out to Socket Wench in one of the slides. Yeah, I was like, I was like thankful. I was in the front row, and no one could see how how I was blushing furiously. The entire time. <laughs> like, oh, stop talking about me, please. This is your talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I mean, you guys are, you know, related and connected by Kubernetes. So how wonderful that that would be the case. So um, can you give me a quick synopsis of the talk? What was the nugget that you took out of it? So what was interesting is that Jeff has built, has built a small Kubernetes cluster using standard distribution uh, Kubernetes to run on, I think it's four or five Raspberry Pis that are... I think it's four. I think it's four now. Four Raspberry Pis with a single Ethernet uh, switch with power over Ethernet so that it reduces the amount of additional circuitry and cables he has to carry around to power them all together. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. He's actually powering the RPIs now through power over Ethernet? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, you can of get course an, you, you, can get an you could. You for that. It's That's not awesome. really complicated. That's so great. <laughs> so he has, so the nugget, I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you there. What was the nugget? <laughs> well, he didn't even mention the power over Ethernet except for one, one thing, but I was looking at the screenshots like, oh, you're using power over Ethernet now. That Nice. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> um, so a lot of the talk was about how he was running his own personal site using a Raspberry Pi cluster out of his home network. And I used to run my own single node server out of a home network way back many, many years ago. And 
there's a number of challenges that come with that out of the box. Um, you tend not to get static IPs from most uh, ISPs. They'll get a dynamic IP. Some of them don't like uh, that you have an, a significant amount of outbound traffic or incoming traffic that's coming from the net, and they may block you for that reason if you're on a particular service tier. Some ISPs are better at that than others. It really depends. Um But running his own site on a Kubernetes cluster on Raspberry Pis, it's like, it reminds me of this meme that I saw passed around Kubernetes Twitter a while ago, which is, the the subtext is, I deployed my blog on Kubernetes, and it's this big uh, semi-trailer, and it has a toy uh, truck trailer box in the middle of it, completely dwarfed <laughs> by the full size trailer. That's kind of like, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, if you ever get ready to the slash dotted, I guess maybe it'll survive. <laughs> um, kind of like it's po- okay. uh, there. There is it's a, possible. There's a degree of front side caching. I think that he also used, but it was. This kind of a project always comes across to me as not a serious, you should use this instead of traditional hosting, and more like, eh, I wanted to use, I wanted to see if I could do that, and it would be fun, and it's something to do, and it's something that lets me learn by, by doing, and that's, you know, a worthy pursuit in its own right. But if you look at, if you look at the other side of that coin, you're hosting your own website, you own the hardware, mm-hmm. you own the software, you own your site, you can see it. You're not putting the risk of hosting in another large company's um, data center, right? You own it all from top to bottom. And honestly, if you have a small blog and you're using your ISP's connection and you have this overkill of a Raspberry Pi cluster that is powering the, a static site, you're probably not going to ever get enough traffic to bring that thing down. You're probably, probably fine. Although I think Jeff's yeah. site is Drupal 8. Oh, <laughs> so not, st- not static, not static. No. Yeah. Well, I'm very jealous of you getting to see that talk. Um, that that must have been pretty cool. I'm I'm hoping that maybe we can get Jeff on the podcast to talk about um, his cluster and what he's been through and how it's evolved uh, soon. So, Jeff, if you happen to be listening, um, watch out for an email from us about that. Um, Let's talk about diversity at Flyover Camp. What what did it look like? Were there um, the kind of the usual casts of people that look like I do, white um, males, or like what did that look like amongst attendees and speakers this year? So there certainly is a large cont- contingent of white, straight, cis male people um, there as well. Um, there was a lot of women there as well, and there were several POC as well. I didn't actually take an an, an, an any moment to really like do any kind of head counts on that. Um, it just never crossed my mind to, to cat- uh, to log that kind of information. Um, but I didn't, uh, did sit with several people, which were really fascinating and really interesting to talk to. Um, and that was really kind of nice. I hope we can have more of that and more attention to that in the, in the future. And we'll, 
we'll try to continue to talk about it um, and bring it up in our podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about attendance as a whole at Flyover Camp? Uh, what Was it comparable to Drupal Delphia or to Twin Cities Drupal Camp? Did you get a feel for what it was like? I think that it was more closer to the size of Twin Cities Drupal than Drupal Delphia. Drupal Delphia had a surprising amount of people in it. And it could have been complicated by the space because it was a smaller space than... Uh, flyover camp or Twin Cities Drupal, but there was certainly a large number of people there. Any um, particular sessions besides Jeff's that were memorable to you? Oh, geez. I'd I'd have to look it over because so much of it was kind of a blur. Um, I was... I was kind of sad that I that I missed uh, John, uh, John's session about 45 modules in 45 minutes. I caught the end of it. Oh, um, wow. But... Yeah, that was a that would have been a really interesting talk to go to because literally every slide has a timer. So cause, so the talk is only 45 minutes long, so every slide has is only a minute long. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like um an ignite session where it's uh what is it 30 seconds per slide, 20 slides, something like that. Mhm. Uh I saw one by uh, Rhea Dixon called uh, Cloud Watching, which was all about creating logs and alerts using uh, AWS CloudWatch, that was really fascinating. And it makes me wonder if there's a way to create uh, similar mechanisms and use similar strategies in a purely open source implementation that doesn't rely on AWS's uh, productized version of that. I really... What is Cloud... Hmm? What is CloudWatch? It's kind of uh, an event and log tracking mechanism um, meant for distributed logging. I didn't. Uh, there's a lot of that I didn't get into because it was mostly an, a case study about how they implemented it and how they solved their own problems. So there was a lot of additional research that I'd love to to circle back to. But it was a really good session, and I really enjoyed it. So is CloudWatch then kind of similar to Splunk? Um, I think that it's a bit similar to Splunk. Um, I know that there might be part of that that's similar to uh, Prometheus and Gafana, which is a common Kubernetes logging mechanism. Yeah, Prometheus is pretty widespread as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okay. So a couple of good sessions. Generally, you had a good time at the camp, gave two wonderful talks. Uh, where was the camp? Was it at the university? I believe it was. Um, and that it was a pretty good location, although uh, because, it, because it is in the middle of Missouri, I did have uh, a problem getting to and from the camp <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I, don't have a, I didn't have a car rental. So I ended up walking there, and that was a 10-minute walk in, actually, it was a 20-minute walk in Missouri in June, which was a bit warmer than I'm used to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I guess the flip side of that is it could have been Missouri in December or January. So I mean, I would have been fine with that, but that's me. I like winter. Well, go figure. I like it too. So, what do you what do you know? Okay, so event was um, the event uh, venue was good. The attendance was comparable to TC Drupal. Um, and before we wrap up, overall impression of the event. If there's another one next year, are you going to go? I would love to go again. That was a lot of fun to go there, and it was a lot more interesting than. I had expected it to be, which which kind of lives up to the name. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's great. Well, appreciate the time you spent with us today. Once again, thank you so much for being with me. It's really been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, Tess Flynn, or Socket Wench, is the DevOps engineer here at 10.7, and she was just at Drupal Flyover Camp 2019, where she gave her talks, Return of the Clustering, Kubernetes for Drupal. Of course, that's the third in a trilogy. And the other talk, Dr. Upal is in Health Check Your Site. Those slides are all online and a recording of the sessions are also available. Just visit this episode's webpage for those links. You've been listening to the 10.7 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.